We're going to uh, just finished up a study in the book of Colossians, and uh, last week we talked about the Omer. This week I just want to speak a little bit in regards to our identity as Jews who believe in Yeshua, and for all of us who are, whether we were born into this or married into this, you know, we are a part of this community, and we have to understand exactly what God expects of us. Uh, next Shabbat, Stephen Osborne will be speaking. Uh, he, he is... Uh, responsible for a work. He's not Jewish, but he's a solid believer in Yeshua. And uh, he's involved in a work among orphans in Guatemala. It's a really unique work. And I've asked him to share a little bit about the work as well as share his perspective as a Gentile follower of Messiah in regards to uh, what he sees as a, as a need, as something that uh, we can be challenged with. And I'm really looking forward to it. He's a great guy. And I encourage you to come back and, uh, and really listen to what he has to say. Uh, this morning, though, I want us to focus on expectations. Uh, you know, God has expectations for us. We have expectations for others, don't we? How many of you who are married have an expectation of your spouse? How many of you who have to live with other people have an expectation of your roommates? I know Mike Ferdinand's going, yeah, yeah, I have an expectation, all right, yeah. Uh, on the job, do you have to manage anybody? Is there anybody you're responsible to oversee? I'm sure you have an expectation of that individual. Right? Um, it's an interesting article I just want to read. Uh, it has to do with uh, education and expectation. Right? You can have a brighter child. It all depends on your expectations. So this is important for us as parents, okay? You can have a brighter child. It all depends on your expectations. Before you're tempted to say, not true, let me tell you about Harvard social psychologist Robert Rosenthal's classic study. All the children in one San Francisco grade school were given a standard IQ test at the beginning of the school year. The teachers were told the test could predict which students could be expected to have a spurt of academic and intellectual functioning. The researchers then drew names out of a hat and told the teachers that these were the children who had displayed a high potential for improvement. Again, these are names chosen out of a hat. That means it's random. Naturally, the teachers thought they had been selected because of their test performance and began treating these children as special children. And the most amazing thing happened. The spurters spurted. Overall, the late-blooming kids averaged four more IQ points on the second test than the other group of students. However, the gains were most dramatic in the lowest grades. First graders whose teachers expected them to advance intellectually jumped 27.4 points. And the second grade spurters increased on the average 16 and a half points more than their peers. One little Latin American child who had been classified, classified as mentally retarded with an IQ of 61 scored 106 after his selection as a late bloomer. Isn't this impressive? It reminds me of what Eliza Doolittle says in My Fair Lady. The difference between a lady and a flower girl is not how she behaves, but how she is treated. You see, how a child is treated has a lot to do with how that child sees herself and ultimately behaves. If a child is treated as a slow learner and you don't expect much, the child shrugs her shoulders and says, Why should I try? Nobody thinks I can do it anyway. And she gives up. 
But if you look at that child as someone who has more potential than she will ever be able to develop, you will challenge that child, work with her through discouragement, and find ways to explain concepts so the child can understand. You won't mind investing time in the child because you know your investment is going to pay off. And the result? It does. So what's the message for parents? Just this. Every child benefits from someone who believes in him. And the younger the child, the more important it is to have high expectations. You may not have an Einstein, but your child has possibilities. Expect the best. And chances are, that's exactly what you'll get. Expectations. I know, uh, thinking of Hannah, who's teaching in, in, the Chicago, in Chicago, you know, there are the realities of, of, of the classroom, wherever we're at. But I think at the same, I think at the same time, often we don't have a high expectation of, of others. But I think often we don't have a high expectation of ourselves. And because of that, I don't think we really reach the potential that we could reach especially when it comes to our lives as followers of the Messiah. God has an expectation for us. God has, in fact, high expectations. Even as Bob had mentioned, when it says in the text, be holy, that's a very high expectation. Is it attainable? Well, theoretically. But you're going to get a whole lot higher You'll be a lot holier if you strive to be holy than if you roll over and say, I just can't do it. God wants us to have high expectations. God knows we can do great things through Him. God expects us as individual followers of Messiah Yeshua to seek out and live out His specific calling for our lives. He has a high expectation. With His help, He knows we can achieve it. Now, as members of the Jewish community who follow Messiah Yeshua, God has a unique corporate calling for us to fulfill as well. Often, uh, unfortunately, we often fail to live up to God's expectation for our lives because of our lack of consistent commitment. That's the, tr- that's the same issue regardless of whether it's the, our Messianic Jewish world or the greater body of Messiah. Our lack of consistent commitment to living out God's instructions and his covenant. And because of this, we bring shame on God's name. You know, as Jews who believe in Yeshua, we bear God's name. We are his people. And not living up to his expectation brings shame. Instead of being God's light to the nations, we instead bring confusion and a darkened understanding of who God is to the people around us. People look to us with an expectation. And God has, been, has an expectation as well. We're going to look at this this morning, try to break it down from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 2. So turn with me to Romans chapter 2 this morning. Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 29, uh, beginning on page 1404. So it is really my challenge for us this morning... To live out, to really be challenged in living out our unique Jewish calling with consistency. With consistency. So that God might indeed enlighten others through our testimony. And that we might live up to God's expectations for our lives. 
Romans chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. I'm going to begin by reading verses 17 through 20. It says, But if you call yourself a Jew and rest on Torah and boast about God and know his will and give your approval to what is right because you have been instructed from the Torah, and if you have persuaded yourself that you are a guide to the blind, a light to the, in the darkness, an instructor for the spiritually unaware, and a teacher of children, since in the Torah you have the embodiment of knowledge and truth. So I'm going to stop there. First thing I want us to, to give consideration to is when we live, when we live as Jewish followers of Messiah Yeshua, as members within this Jewish community, when we live out our role to be God's light to the nations, we bring God glory. This is a general principle for everybody. You can preach this among all believers. Whenever we, as followers of Messiah Yeshua, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, when you live your life consistent with God's expectation, consistent with His instructions, we bring God glory. Because people are looking for truth. They're looking for reality. They're looking for authenticity. They may not necessarily be ready to, to humble themselves before God and be followers of the Messiah, but they are looking for authenticity when it comes to religious people. There's a real truth to this. When we live out our roles, especially as Jews who believe in Yeshua, when we live out our roles to be God's light to those around us, we bring God God tremendous glory. In this text, it has to do, first and foremost, when we live out His instruction. You know, following God's instruction means that we are really intentionally looking to do what it says. It's not just an intellectual set of, uh, of data. All right? We're not just learning the text and it's going into, our, into the filing cabinets of our minds. But it's actually instructing how we're living. It's actually impacting the choices that we make. First, I think uh, when we're living out God's instruction, we demonstrate the power of God through the changes in our lives. Each one of us, when we came to the point of accepting the truth of, of who Yeshua is and acknowledged that, that He's the Messiah and that we are sinful and that we need to change, when we read the biblical text and allow it to change our life, that change demonstrates the power of God. I am not the same person I was when I became a believer when I was 15 and a half. All right? The same is for each one of you. All right? Those of you who are young, thank God, didn't have to do a lot of change. But I've met people that are older. And they've had to go through a lot of change. And it's obvious. Because we were, someone's living one way and then they just move in a different direction. It's great to see that power of God demonstrated in the life of a person who's following God's instructions. Also though, we demonstrate the faithfulness of God. We demonstrate the faithfulness of God. As Jews who believe in Yeshua, living out God's instruction... We demonstrate to the people around us that God is faithful. As Jews, we shouldn't be here. You know, we just, we just celebrated Passover. Passover is the story of how God took us from one nation out and gave us our own land. Now, if you're following the reading chart uh, for the congregation in terms of reading through the uh, scriptures in a year, you'll notice that we just finished the last part of Kings. And we're beginning Isaiah. And, uh, and the last part of Kings leaves us pretty destitute. The nation is, is uh, in exile. Uh, you know, everything's been destroyed. The people are scattered. Our people scattered. Yet God brought us back. 
and yet once again scattered. After the Messiah came, the destruction of the temple in 70, and all the terrible things that have happened. It's miraculous that we exist today as a people. But, but it's also amazing to people to find that there are Jews who accept that Jesus is the Messiah, and that they hold on to Jewish identity. It's an incredible testimony of God's faithfulness. Why? Look at Romans chapter 11. Don't turn there now, but you can if you want. But look at Romans 11. It speaks of a remnant among Israel who are faithful to the Messiah of Israel. It shows the power of God. It shows the faithfulness of God. The fact that we exist is a testimony of the fact that God still has a relationship with the Jewish people. And we are, again, testimony to that truth. And then the last thing uh, is we demonstrate, when we, well, when we live out God's instruction, we demonstrate the mercy of God as He uses us to impact our world for good. You know, Stephen Osborne, Bar- Osborne when he comes, uh, you know, he's going to be talking about their ministry. He's an American. I mean, he just felt led of God, I guess, and, and Steve Boyd would know much more about it than I would, but he's an American, felt led of God to go make a difference in Guatemala. Why? <laughs> because the power of God is demonstrated through him. The mercy of God demonstrated through him. The faithfulness of God demonstrated, demonstrated through him because he was willing to follow God's instruction and go help needy people outside of his particular comfortable world. That's amazing. God will use us in different ways to demonstrate his mercy and his love to other people when we follow his instructions. But if we're not following his his instructions, then probably our emphasis is going to be on only what's good for me, what meets my need, what makes me feel better in my particular little cocoon of life. God doesn't like us thinking that way. God wants us to always be thinking of the other. The people that, that are out there that could use our encouragement, could use our help, could use our support, could use our, our, our wisdom, could use our physical strength. We always need to be thinking about that. We bring glory to God when we live out his instructions for the people around us. Secondly, we, we bring glory to God, again, as Jewish people, when we live out His covenant. Take a look at verse 25. Now, verses 17 through 20, he's kind of going through and, and talking about all these real positive things. In verse 25, though, he says something uh, that uh, should, should kind of shake us. He says, For circumcision is indeed of value if you do what Torah says. But if you are a transgressor of Torah, your circumcision has become, become uncircumcision. And then in verse 29, on, contrary, on the contrary, the real Jew is one inwardly, and true circumcision is of the heart, spiritual, not literal, so that his praise comes not from other people, but from God. You know, as Jewish people, we have been born into a covenant, the covenant God made with our forefather Abraham, forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right? We are a part of this covenant. Too many of us take it all for granted. We just take it for granted. There's almost an arrogancy about it. Uh, repeatedly, uh, we read in the text, though, including in the Torah, we read about it in a couple of places, Deuteronomy 10, 16, Deuteronomy 36, Jeremiah 4, 4. I'm not going to read them, but, but you can go and look at them. These texts emphasize that true circumcision is what comes out of, you know, is really of the heart. 
All right? So we are a part of a people because God has born, we are born within a people. But, but the value of what it means to be a Jew and to be a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is when we are living our lives humble before God, our hearts circumcised, as it says in the text. And uh, that's why, again, in verse 29, on the contrary, the real Jew is one inwardly. He is not making a, fr- a statement here that circumcision is, is not of value. He's not making that statement. He's also not saying that being Jewish is something that's spiritual. That's also not what he's saying. What he's doing in this text is he's challenging Jews who make too much out of who they are physically instead of focusing on their spiritual depth and commitment. Circumcision is a sign of our, of our membership for those of us who were men, in the covenant that God made with our people. But it is the internal circumcision of our hearts that validates our part in the community of Israel. In essence, what what we should really be thinking about, you know, if we really look at our Jewish community at large, if people really understood what God was getting at for us and with us, we should be the humblest people in the world. There should be absolutely no arrogancy and pride within the Jewish community. Of course, that's not the case. Okay, Sometimes I think we're the most arrogant people in the world. But yet God has called us to be his people And really the validity of that call is the humility of our heart, the softness of our heart toward God, toward his instructions. And because of all that, then toward other people. Now, moving along here, part of our problem too often is that we we possess this identity, but we really don't take advantage of it. We're not really observing it. Take a look again at the text, verse 21. It says in the text, verse 21, Then, you who teach others, don't you teach yourself? Preaching, thou shalt not steal, do you steal? Saying, thou shalt not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? Detesting idols, do you commit idolatrous acts? You who take such pride in Torah... Do you, by disobeying the Torah, dishonor God? As it says in the Tanakh, for it is because of you that God's name is blasphemed by the Goyim. You know, when we do not live out God's role for us, when we are not following God's instructions the way we need to, as God's people, we bring God shame. We bring God shame. Unfortunately, that's the same thing that can be said for all people who profess faith in the God of Israel. I mean, the greater Christian community struggles with this too. The uniqueness for us is that we have, we have this particular role to play that no one else can play. And that makes it just a little bit more personal. Again, possessing God's covenant advantages are not enough. To just be able to say, I am a Jew, is insufficient unless we are observing God's instructions for us as Jewish people. Um, you know, Yeshua gives an interesting challenge. I'm going to read this Matthew chapter 5. 
Matthew chapter 5, <clears throat> verses 21 through 26. He's giving uh, what I always like to affectionately call the talk on the hill. Other people call it the Sermon on the Mount. But uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 21. Yeshua is clarifying expectations and motivations. In verse 21 it says, You have heard that our fathers were told, Do not murder, and that anyone who commits murder will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who nurses anger against his brother will be subject to judgment. That whoever calls his brother you good for nothing will be brought before the Sanhedrin. That whoever says fool incurs the penalty of burning in the fire of Gehenna. So if you are offering your gift at the temple altar, and you remember there that your brother something against you, leave your gift where it is by the altar and go make peace with your brother. Then come back and offer your gift. If someone sues you, come to terms with him quickly while you and he are on the way to court or he may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer of the court and you'll be thrown in jail. Yes, indeed, I tell you, you will certainly not get out until you have paid the last penny. Yeshua is clarifying in this text motivations. Motivations in how we are keeping God's instruction. In another passage in Matthew, uh, Yeshua kind of has a, uh, really gets ticked off at, uh, at some of the religious leaders because they were having a discussion about how scrupulous they were in observing some of the minutia of tithing. And he says something very interesting. He says to them, you have overlooked the weightier matters. All too often, as, in some ways, as religious people, we handle some things well and not other things well. And Yeshua's answer to them was, you should be doing the weightier matters as well as the, the, the less important things. They are all important. Details matter. Motivations matter. When we study God's instructions, we need to be sure that we are truly trying to fulfill them and live them out in our lives. Uh, the last thing I want to read take a look at verses 26 and 28 it says therefore if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the Torah won't his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision indeed the man who is physically uncircumcised but obeys the Torah will stand as a judgment on you who have had a brit milah and have Torah written out but violated for the real Jew is not merely Jewish outwardly true circumcision is not only external and physical and again here in the text he is not saying that uh, uh, that uh, Jewish identity is a spiritual identity. That's not the point he's trying to make. He's really giving a potch to, to Jewish people who are elevating their position without doing what's expected of them. Now, the reason I, I wanted to emphasize this is I did a little bit of a, of a poll for Passover observance on Wednesday night. Now, I love doing these things. And what I found is that, uh, generally speaking, within our community, uh, we had a bit of a, of, a, of a lack of observance of Passover. And I find this fascinating. Uh, I, I asked a couple of simple questions. Two main points. By the way, Passover has two parts to it. Did you eat leaven? And so that's, that's, we're forbidden from eating leaven from the, from the seven days of Passover, eight if you keep traditional days, okay? And then we're supposed to remove leaven products from our home. Two commandments, two different commandments from God. And so I asked the questions, did you eat and did you remove? And uh, of the 15 people polled, five people were quite honest and said, I ate 
And I didn't even bother to clean it out of my house. Okay. Which is very disappointing to a rabbi of a Messianic synagogue. Okay. Because in essence what it says is, I, I'm a Jew, I'm a part of the community, but I don't care about God's instruction. That's what like hit me. That's, a, that's in essence saying, I reject God's instruction. And then on the second part, is uh, four people said that they, that they uh, avoided eating it, which is good, but then didn't clean out their home with uh, intentionality. And so that was also a little bit discouraging, but at least, at least halfway, get half credit. All right? But it makes a great illustration for us. And with this, I just kind of want to end. We have to understand, first, as followers of the Messiah Yeshua, that God has a high expectation for us. And if we truly want to be all that God wants, to be, wants us to be, we've got to desire to, to meet that expectation. And we meet the expectation in the details, in the instructions. All right? It's, it's not... It's, it, it really is in, in, in carefully understanding what is expected and then trying to actually meet those expectations. Uh, when we say we haven't murdered anybody, that's great. But if you live a life with tremendous bitterness toward other people, it's just like going around and killing people. We have to understand that it's God's expectation for us not just to physically kill people, we shouldn't be doing that, of course, but that instead of going around being bitter or angry toward people, we have to demonstrate love. That means harboring grudges is like killing people. That's God's expectation. We need to, des- we need to understand that what God desires for us is not just the avoidance of some really, really bad sins, but really the, the, the practice, the, 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 uh, um, the acting out in our life of a lot of really positive activities that glorify God and, and, and direct people toward Him. And then uh, for us as Jewish people, we need to really understand Jewish life is lived in the details. It's lived first... In our lives, how we're living. Passover is a great example. You know, sending, I was talking to Alan Hahn down in, this, down in uh, Homewood, you know, or Flossmar, wherever the heck they live now. You know, and he's saying, he's really shocked. His kids are the only ones going to school with matzah sandwiches. And I said, that's good, Alan. Send the kids to school with matzah sandwiches. Let them stand out. That's good. All right? We have to do positive things like eat matzah at Passover because it's what God expects of us. And you know what? It's a good testimony to our community as well as uh, to, the, to the rest of the community. But then there are other things God wants us to remove from our life or to live differently in as Jews because it also enhances our testimony. It also allows us to live out Jewish life because Jewish life is lived in the details. One of the things I hope to do, and I, I uh, finally got done, you know, uh, Vlad knows about this because he doesn't like the, the way they look. But, um, you know, I like writing these little pamphlets to try and provide some clarity. I just finished one with a little bit of feedback from about 15 of my closest friends uh, on what does it mean to live as a Messianic Jew. I encourage you to take it and read it. There's copies of it out there. 
But I think it would be a good thing for us as a community to develop a basic understanding of expectation. I mean, some of you grew up Orthodox, some of you grew up Reformed, some of you grew up from the former Soviet Union, you know? I mean, so we got a little bit of a mishmash here, all right? I think it would be good for us to have a basic expectation, all right, in terms of Jewish life and observance. I mean, nobody is looking to become Hasidic, I think, in our community. But if you chose to live that way, I'd be happy to come and eat your uh, Chov Yisrael cheese, okay? But generally speaking, I think we do need a standard expectation. One that we believe together we can walk. Because as Jews who believe in Yeshua, we want to have a testimony that is bringing God glory that's being an encouragement to the greater body of Messiah, that's being a testimony to the rest of our Jewish family and friends that don't believe in Yeshua. And so I think we need to give some consideration to this truth. We certainly do not want to be viewed as hypocritical, nor do we want to be viewed as people that say one thing and live differently. It's a slight variant there. I believe the Lord our God has a role for us to play But we have to live out that role in the details of our lives. Okay? So to sum all this up, how are you fulfilling your covenantal obligations? If you didn't keep Passover this year, do you feel bad (laughs) about it? And will choose to, uh, to and accept the fact that there is an expectation from God as to how you're supposed to live as a Jew who believes in Yeshua. Not endeavoring to live your life according to God's instructions for us as Jewish people is sin. And then uh, the second question, how are you living up to your calling though? How are, you, how are you living up to your calling? As Bob said, God has called us to be holy. Are we conscientiously considering that in our lives? Not taking seriously God's calling for your life is in and of itself sin. It's sin. And you can extrapolate that out over and over in so many different ways. But as a general rule, do you really understand that God is God and that he has this amazing, wonderful calling for your life? Expectation for your life. God knows you can go above and beyond where you're at. Do you care? Do you desire to be all that God wants you to be? If you don't, that's sin. And if you've been living that way, repent, confess your sin, and accept that obligation, that expectation from God. And rejoice and be excited in the fact that God has things he wants you to do. And then finally, how consistently do you live out the faith that you say you have in Messiah Yeshua? How consistently do you live out that faith? Are you careful of the details in your life? Or are you the sort of person that is just avoiding the big sins? Or are you intentionally seeking to live out the love of God toward others, to be able to be the, the, the representative example of, of diligence and, and workmanship on the job? Are you the neighbor that people love to live next to because you are that, that individual positively inclined toward those around you? Are you consistently living out your faith? intentionally living out your faith to those around you. If not, I encourage you to change. I encourage you to repent. And instead, choose to diligently, intentionally, creatively consider how you can take the instruction of God 
Apply it to your life and let it flow from you into the lives of the people around you. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the fact that you do have a tremendous expectation for us, God. You really know what we're made out of. And you, you desire to, to move us farther and farther along in, uh, in the ways that you know we can go. God, I do pray for us as a community. In many ways, it seems that we struggle as, uh, as followers of Messiah Yeshua. Uh, too often, God, we feel like uh, people in the Christian community don't understand us and the, and the people in our family and friends in the Jewish community think that we're traitors in some way. And yet, God, I pray that uh, we would be secure in you because you have indeed saved us through our Messiah. And we know, God, that in you, you have a tremendous expectation for our lives, which will only lead to greater and greater blessing and meaning and purpose. I pray for your strengthening for our community. I pray your blessing on each one. Help us, God, to live our faith by the details, rejoicing in your instruction and applying it into our lives. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.